All right, so uh, we're back uh, at cutting room floor uh, this Sunday. We're gonna do, or this today, we're gonna do something a little different. We're actually gonna talk about this next Sunday's sermon a little bit. So before we get there, I know that I'm not gonna talk a ton about Genesis five and the genealogy. So I thought we'd maybe spend a little time just camping out on genealogies, numbers. Like yeah. sometimes it's the part of the Bible, in particular the Old Testament, that you skip. You're like, all right, let me get to the story. Yeah. And I thought maybe it would be helpful today for you to just sort of help us see why we should care. Totally. About why should we not skip the genealogy? Like, why is that in there? Why yeah. is it? Why do they put a whole chapter in five of like, this person's born, this person died. Yeah. This person born, this... Like, <laughs> totally. why read it? Yeah, totally. Well, there's a lot we could say about that. But I think just big picture, especially for the book of Genesis, the, the genealogies in particular are trying to do something on a literary level where they're tracing... The fam, or they're going to get to the family of Abraham, and then okay. especially post Genesis twelve, trace the family of Abraham further. But this all stems back to Adam and Eve, and yep. the promise that God makes to to Adam and Eve in Genesis three that from the seed of the woman yep. there will come this. And you talked about this last week that this the snake crusher, which yeah. we would know to be the the, the Messiah, yeah. which the Paul Christ. riffs on in Romans sixteen. Totally, yeah. yeah. And so the the purpose of the genealogies then is to trace this family line, the seed of the woman, okay. to get us to keep the story going forward, okay. which we know will eventually get to the Messiah. And what's interesting about this though is that in particular in the book of Genesis, ten times the phrase, these are the generations of, and then you get, you know, your genealogy yeah. or your family line or whatever. So this is Genesis 5. Genesis 5 would be, times, yeah, okay. it would be an example of that. But yeah. 10 different times, wow. um, that phrase happens. And it's this way of getting the the story and like the narrative moving forward, okay. if you will. So oftentimes you'll get, you know, a, a few stories and then, you know, number of years pass by. But yeah. these genealogies sometimes fill in as like a stopgap, okay. but basically to get the story forward. So five times before this, the Abraham story in yeah. Genesis 12 and five times after, so 10 total, okay. this phrase, these are the generations of, kind of propel the storyline forward. Which helps us to realize that this isn't just a random collection of stories, yeah. but it's a history of a people. Totally, yes. So really trying to trace, all right, these stories are happening, but this is leading somewhere. This is going and somewhere. to someone. Yes, yes. So the, the writer of Genesis is trying to anchor this with real people in a real past. And I think that's important just to okay. state up front. That's great. Um, so yeah, kind of big picture there with genealogies, but then at the same time, as we're reading the book of Genesis in particular, and we're thinking about genealogies, again, we might want to skip them like you were yeah. reading to, but it's Not important. Me. I would never, <laughs> never skip like them. the most yeah. devoted Bible reader. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but for us, when we think about genealogies, we have to kind of we do this a lot with, with scripture, but to recognize that the way we might be thinking about the function and the purpose of genealogies okay. may or may not be the exact same as how an ancient, okay. you know, so Israelite. we might have expectations that don't align with the assumptions of the authors. Totally. Yeah. And okay. just think about like how we in our modern context think about genealogies. I think of, you know, ancestry.com or something yeah. like that, where we're trying to discover or find out perhaps like the exact, yeah. you know, people, Daytime, dates, port. Yeah. all these different things yeah. where it's very exact. It's almost how we might think of it as like a modern scientific yeah. data driven totally. sort of, you know, enterprise or whatnot. Now I'm not saying that that's not the case in the ancient world. I just think in kind of, you know, I'm not the only one who thinks this, yeah. but there's, there's a, a number of people smarter than me that would point out that genealogies in the ancient world function more on a theological level. Okay and more on a level that are trying to communicate truth for sure, yeah. but theological truth about 
who God is and in particular who this family is okay. that we are supposed to learn about and follow through the rest yeah. of the So like ancestry.com doesn't propose any theological or like purpose behind the data they get. Totally. They just hand you the data. Exactly. The the authors that we are dealing with their primary goal is theological. Totally, yes. They're definitely, especially Old Testament, driving the story forward, okay. saying what we need around here is someone to crush crush the snake. Yeah. And that's going to come, you know, by the, the mercy and grace of God. But yeah. we're still looking forward as we're, yeah, that's you good. know, reading the Old Testament. And so just to point out some of these differences, just on a biblical, you know, level here, you know, you have gener or genealogies that have like these very perfect numbers, if you will. Sure. So like genealogies of 10, you know, yeah. oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Matthew, there's three sets of 14 in Matthew chapter one. Yeah. And that's kind of like probably the easiest example to see that what Matthew is trying to do is not just give us like video camera footage or like the exact, yeah. you know, set of data, if you will. You just compare what Matthew has with Luke chapter three, yeah. which is another genealogy that yeah. leads up to and Jesus. And they're not identical. They're not identical. <laughs> you compare that back with uh, the book of Chronicles and the, yeah. the same people That's that good. Matthew mentions there. There's some gaps, there's some yeah. holes. And what Matthew's trying to do by having three sets of 14, which is a you know derivative of the number seven, yeah. there's all this symbolism there showing how Jesus is the greater and perfect King David, yeah. the Messiah that we're all. But his primary agenda is to communicate that Jesus is the Messiah. Is the Messiah. That he is the king. Totally, yeah, from the line of David. So yeah. it's all this, you know, rich. Yes, it's driven in the history of, you know, yeah. the true and, you know, greater David, that family of David, family of Abraham sort of thing, angry in the whole testament. Sure. But there is this yes, this robust theological truth, yeah. you know, at play there. And so, again, I think this is just important to recognize in just having these categories of the biblical authors are thinking and perhaps doing things that we might not fully expect, yeah. you know, on a first That's reading um, with some of these. And just to get into a little bit of kind of the, the vocabulary with genealogies, I think it's yeah. important too. Yeah, you so, get a lot of like begats and Totally, yeah, the, the and, son of and yeah. all these different kind of languages. So just like on a basic level. The, in Hebrew, the word son can obviously refer to son, how we might think so of it, like but can biological also son. biological son, yeah. but also refer to like a grandson or a great grandson uh, or even a descendant. Yeah. So their language is, we might say, I guess, less precise, yeah. um, how the, we might use the word son. Yeah. So we think son of, and we think immediate father, whereas yeah. they say son of, and it could be in the line. In of. the line of, yeah. Which I'm not saying every single time you have that, that's no. what it's saying. But I'm it's just a saying it's a possibility. Exactly. So and same thing. it's true. So it's totally. not a false statement to yes. say someone is the son of if they're really the grandson of. Exactly. For them, that would be a true statement. Totally. Exactly. And so there's even a couple examples here in the book of Daniel. Uh, the king Belteshazzar is described as the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Um, but however, Belteshazzar was the son of Nabodinus. Man, and those not, are tricky ones. Yeah, totally. The names are so <laughs> tricky. Um, but still saying that Nebuchadnezzar was still in the family line of yeah, Belteshazzar. Yeah. Um, in the book of Ruth, at the end of the, the story there, the text reads in Ruth 4.17 that there was a son born to Naomi. Yeah. But Naomi didn't physically bear the son, mm. Ruth and Boaz, Got it. you know, had the son. So there's just, you know, some data, yeah. biblical and data there, there. There's not even biological connection. Totally. It's just sort of, she was brought into the family. Into the family. As, um, well, through Ruth's marriage yeah. uh, to Boaz. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so all, all that, as far as son, father, kind of a little more, I guess, I don't want to say loose, but just kind of broader yeah. meaning that we might have in English. The word begot uh, doesn't necessarily mean a direct descendant. It can. So I'm not sure. saying every time again, yeah. it's just possibilities. Um, so I think that's just some of the kind of the groundwork, yeah, you know, big picture stuff as we're thinking about, I guess, genealogies in general. Mm -hmm. 
But then when we're thinking about specifically like Genesis five, okay. right? So you have a lot of the questions I think come up in the fact that Genesis five, and then a little bit in Genesis 11, you have these, the ages of people, how long they live, their lifespans yeah, are like exorbitant. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Adam, read it, 930 like, years I've old. I've never met anyone who lived 930 <laughs> totally. years. Yeah. And so these questions come up of, okay, so what are we supposed to do with this? Like, yeah. you know, is this literal? Is this symbolism? All these, you know, sorts of questions come up. What are, what are we being, what are we, how are we supposed to respond? And my guess to is this? there's a lot of different perspectives. Totally. Yes. And there is a lot of really smart people who disagree, love yeah. Jesus, take the Bible seriously, all those things that we've been saying yeah. in a lot of these conversations. I think for now, I just want to kind of highlight, I guess, two simple, bigger buckets, if you will, okay. two different approaches to kind of looking at, you know, Genesis 5 in particular. And again, there's a lot more we can say on this, course, but just yeah. very simply, two big buckets. I think the first one, I would just kind of call it the literal historical approach. Okay. And this is kind of basically what it sounds like. You read Genesis 5 or Genesis 11, you know, you read so-and-so lived X amount of years. Yeah. That's, you know, real history. That's exactly what the text, what the text says is what the text actually means. Um, from this, you could add all the years up or add the, the lifespans up and basically come to an approximate yeah. conclusion about the age of the earth. So this is like a lot of the folks that believe in more of a young earth totally. side, they would sort of just add it up and... Yeah. You know, they, Adam's this age, this person's this age. There you go. Totally. Yeah. And you kind of a kind of very straightforward way of looking yeah. at it, which I think there's a lot of uh, reasons to think that, you yeah. know, I think naturally when I read it, like it makes sense, yeah. like that way of kind of looking at that and then how people might explain that. Okay. So then why are people living, you know, so long in Genesis five? And then like you go on in the rest of the biblical narrative, you don't read, you know, people living, you yeah. know, that crazy long yeah. amounts. One of the things that people will point to is in between Genesis 5 and Genesis 11 in particular, and then as obviously the story goes forward, there's the story of the flood. Yeah, which is right in the middle. Right of in there. the middle of all this. Yeah. And the the kind of the thinking behind the flood, especially if one thinks of the flood being like this global sort of event, is that it radically would have shifted kind of just the cosmology and just the, the biology and the way that humans lived in the world. It just yeah. completely shifted basically the environment yeah. you know, of, of the world or of the earth to the point where post-flood, the earth, physically speaking, is no longer the same place it was before the flood. And so environmental conditions, biological conditions kind of lend itself so that humans are no longer able to live as long as they would have yeah. before the flood. So that kind of explains then why, as the biblical narrative goes on, and you see this in Genesis 11, the lifespans start to radically decrease back yeah. to what we might consider you know, normal. Closer to normal. Closer to normal. Yes, yeah. totally. Um, so that's kind of the literal, literal historical approach, okay. kind of how to, to frame that. Yep. Um, kind of on, I don't want to say the other end, but kind of another kind of bucket, if you will, would a be competing, theory. competing theory, I guess, <laughs> um, would be, and this is just kind of my language for it, a, yeah. a rhetorical symbolic approach. Okay. And so what this gets at is that, especially with Genesis five, uh, the literature that we're reading may not just be video camera footage of something that happened in the distant past. Okay. It's, it could also be communicating important theological truths about in this particular case, the family of God and the family that God has chosen to work through okay. in the world. So, so give, me, give me an example there. Like I'm having a hard time as you articulate, like, so what is a symbolic way to say that Adam is 930 years? Totally. So like maybe to think about it, this kind of big picture, and thinking about this, kind of reading Genesis as an ancient text and kind okay. of a kind of a modern way to kind of help us with that is thinking about like trending 
conversations on social media, like a trending kind of hashtag Twitter conversation, but applying that to the ancient world. So like in the ancient world, there'd be all these competing ideas or trending conversations on a variety of different things, creation, um, who God is, who humans are, but there would be trending conversations on the nature of humanity and the family that the God or God has decided to work through. So you have like Babylonian and Assyrian and Sumerian myths and legends on kind of their kings and what humans are and all these sorts of things. So like Genesis one, right? Uh, Verse 21, uh, I think is, uh, you know, there's a giant God. Yahweh makes the giant sea creature. Yeah. Which in ancient Babylonian myth was actually defeated in a battle between the gods. He was like, no, no, no. Genesis 1, we created your totally, God. Exactly, right. Yeah. So there's a, it's a kind of polemical a little yeah, bit. Totally. There's a little bit of kind of back and forth yeah. going on there. Our God is greater. Kind of. I think exa- I'm saying that totally, yeah, yeah, exactly, totally. Yeah. And to think about this specifically with the genealogies, um, what you have is like other ancient kings and ancient you know cultures having their kind of genealogies or lists yeah. of their king reigning X amount of years or their king living X amount of years. And there are these exorbitant yeah. figures that yeah. like, know... That his- make these biblical numbers look... Puny. Totally. Yeah. Like in comparison, <laughs> you're talking about thousands, if not tens of thousands of yeah. years of reigning where no, you know, modern historian takes that literally. There's a symbolic function yeah. going on there. And so then you kind of think about it as like a trending kind of conversation yeah. here. What you have is perhaps the biblical writer saying, no, 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 the family that God, our true God is decided to work through is, is our family and that we are, you know, eventually going to be a blessing to the whole world, yeah. all that sort of stuff. But this is like a symbolic way of saying, no, no, no your myth is not the true myth. Yeah. Our story is the true story mm-hmm. of how God is working in the world through this particular particular family. Now, in particular, you know, what when you're thinking about... Wait, let me stop. So like, before, yeah. saying Adam's 930 years is like, whoa, Adam's significant. Totally. He's important. Exactly. He matters. So that's one way like those numbers can communicate something other than 930 years. Totally. Exactly. Okay. So there's a level of both symbolism and kind of rhetoric that's yep. kind of happening with that. Okay. And you dive into this like even deeper. Now this can get yeah. pretty. People you know, get kind of nerdy with the this math. This is super nerdy. Yeah. yeah. And there's a whole. And this can go wrong in so many different ways with numbers and yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. So I'm not trying to go there at all. But what is interesting is that when you look at all the the numbers in Genesis five in particular, there's actually thirty num- different numbers okay. that are given there. All thirty of those numbers can be given in such a way, and maybe kind of. If there's the clarification needed to help me explain this uh, with more clarity here, all of the 30 numbers given in Genesis five can be uh, created from a combination of both 60 and seven. Okay. And so So like 60 months, 60 years. Yeah. So they can be divided there. And 60 is important because that's the central number number in Babylonian. Yeah. Yeah. Babylonian like uh, math and their Babylonian kind of number system. The number 60 functions is kind of like 60 minutes, 60 minutes. And we still have like leftovers of this day. So like 60 minutes in an hour, 60 miles per hour. It's so we have categories. 60 is really big for Babylonians. Seven is really big for Israel. Israel. Yeah. So now to have all these numbers somehow divisible. Yeah. Divisible would be the right word. By 60 and seven is like saying we're twice as good totally yeah and so not divisible in the sense that like you take 930 and it automatically you can divide it by 60 it comes out even or anything like that but think about it like this you just add 60 however many times you need to add 60 and then add maybe 60 months would be five years and then throw in a couple sevens you'll get some combination of those three 60 years 60 months and seven years yeah will get you to in some way shape or form to all 30 of the numbers 
given in Genesis chapter five. So basically what you're saying is that's one theory. Totally. One. And yeah. there's like actually a lot of different people who approach this number thing in different ways. Totally. And we're not going to go down the rabbit hole yeah, today. Yeah. Uh, but what you're simply trying to say is there are people that approach these numbers in these, uh, particularly in these genealogies from a symbolic totally. side. And there's other people that are more like historical literal. Totally. Um, and that there's smart people on both sides that are sort of advocating these views. Totally. Uh, and that even sometimes the historical literal doesn't mean that it's not symbolic. Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're not way. mutually exclusive at all. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Or at least they don't have to be. And yeah. I think it's important just to recognize that kind of, again, with kind of all these kind of conversations, kind of a similar thread through them is that smart people who love Jesus take the scripture seriously, disagree on this stuff. And really, especially with the numbers in particular in the genealogies, there's not, at least to my knowledge, like a scholarly consensus. There's on, no consensus. Yeah, on yeah, this yeah, is totally. exactly what this means. I mean, we're talking about a very you know, as far as like doctrinal importance stuff, yeah. something that on one level is kind of at the bottom, if you will. Yeah. But I do think it's important getting back to what I was saying at the beginning of just even how the book of Genesis is structured with yeah. these are the generations of, and then kind of fill in the blank. Yeah. Because it's, it's vital totally. to trace the line to the Messiah. Exactly. Yes. The ages are less significant than the fact that the seed is traced totally. saying, Hey, there's a, there's a snake crusher coming. coming. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what the biblical authors are trying to get us to see is to, to keep carrying the, the narrative forward. Yeah. Cause I mean the old, this is a whole other you know podcast or whatever, but the whole, the whole old Testament is designed, I would say originally to get us to be looking forward. Like yeah. the, the right, the writers themselves are saying what we need around here is a snake crusher. Yeah. And they're trying to tell that story of how that snake crusher, you know, will come. That's so. good. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot. So this is the whole purpose of Cutting Room Floor is to talk about the stuff that we're not going to necessarily get to <laughs> on Sunday morning. And I think this fits. Yes, Thanks, totally. man. That's awesome. Cool.